Daniel Hemrick here, your 2021 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, and you're listening to Dropping the Hammer. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden. We're just a few days away from the start of the 2022 NASCAR season. And when Daniel Hamrick arrives in Daytona Beach, Florida, he'll be arriving as the defending Xfinity Series champion. Uh, after years of Hamrick trying and failing to earn a win, any win, in the NASCAR National Series, he got it finally last November uh, when he got his win at Phoenix Raceway and in the same swoop uh, also claimed the Xfinity Series championship. And then he immediately changed teams. Uh, after winning with Joe Gibbs Racing last year, he will now go to Colleague Racing, where he'll race full-time in the Xfinity Series, but also uh, have seven points races in the Cup Series, uh, having not competed in the Cup Series since 2019 when he won Rookie of the Year honors with Richard Childress Racing. Uh, so this is my first time getting to talk to Daniel since that night uh, in Phoenix where he, he won driving the number 18 car. Uh, and it, I, it's, it's a really, really cool interview with Daniel. He, uh, he, he talks about what the, the, the new pressures that come with uh, being the defending series champion uh, and what it's like to no longer have that pressure of trying to get that first win. Uh, he also talks about what it's like being one of the few remaining uh, North Carolina natives uh, competing in NASCAR these days. Um, and we go into a lot of other stuff. So here is my interview with defending Xfinity Series champion, Daniel Hamrick. So welcome cool. to Dropping the Hammer, Daniel Hamrick. Um, so um, just describe to me um, like where you're at right now in, in your transition into colleague racing three, three months, three months after winning the Xfinity championship. Where are you at right now? Yeah, man, it's uh, I'm in a good spot. I mean, obviously you know, right, wrong, wrong, different. You can't hide from, from critics and, and skepticism of yourself and your career. And for me, a lot of that was silence in a way, right. Three months ago. And, and it, it does, I'd be lying if I said it don't feel like, you know, a little bit of weight off of you. Um, and lets me kind of embrace this new challenge with, within colleague and um, you know, what, what our expectations and, and, and goals are for the 2022 season, you know, it lets me approach that stuff very freelingly and yeah, it's, that's, it's a good spot mentally. Um, you know, home life is good and our little girls growing and, um, yeah, we just, we've been, we've enjoyed for sure what has happened, you know, three months ago to us as a family. Um, but I feel like as a family also, we've embraced this, this new, new point of, uh, of a career path change here with, with colleague and, um, they've welcomed us with open arms. So that's, that's all I can ask for and sitting in a good spot here. Can you put into words, you said, you said it's, it's freeing, you know, finally getting that win, but can you actually articulate, put into words what it feels like to not have to have that pressure of winning yeah. finally off? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be honest with you and I've always welcomed the pressure of it and, it wasn't like with each race that would build more and more, right? I mean, heck, and it quite frankly took so long. I don't think any human could withstand it if they let it build every oh, single yeah. week um, after falling short. But I, I don't know. It just, it's kind of hard to, 
exactly articulate that with words until we kind of get back in the competition. Right. Um, yeah. um, you know, yes, it was three months ago, but still freshly removed from, uh, you know, this highest moment of your career to haven't really faced competition again. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that's honestly a question for, for three, five, 10 weeks into the this okay. 2022 season. Um, but I know just, just personally, you know, I talked immediately after the championship, how just, kind of validating to myself that that I can do it yeah um and that hey yes you did not forget how to do it and that's that in itself is probably a, a value that I can't put a number on and um because of that I like to you know approach all new things with the most upbeat you know way you can approach them um but experience what I experienced you know that last lap of Phoenix of 2021 lets me approach it with even that much more you know that much more of a free spirit and you know and quite frankly you know, I said that, you know, when I signed my deal, you know, Joe Gibbs race in the 20, you know, the end of 2020, that it had expiration date, right? I mean, I knew my season and, you know, coming into 2021 in my career could possibly be over if things don't turn a certain way or go a certain way. And um, Matt Colleague and Chris Rice and all the men and women here at Colleague Motorsports of, or Colleague Racing actually have, you know, afforded me, you know, this chance to continue on and, and, um, you know, we could never script how it's going to turn out. And then to have the regular season champion and AJ Allmendinger now be my teammate. And then them, you know, have myself as, a, you know, the reigning experience series champion. Like, yeah, we're, we're loaded for bear and ready to rock. So, like, with all of that, though, it does come with addition, new, a new kind of pressure, though, right? You, you, you got to follow this up now. Uh, you you, you got to prove that you can do it again. Um, <laughs> and you also, you, you have the target on your back now. You're the defending champion, so yeah, and that's a that's a great thing. So, like, how do you trans? How, how are you transitioning into that mindset? Like, okay, now, now people are chasing me. That's a great place to be. Um, I'll tell you this: uh, I capped off. You know, I talked about our season kickoff lunch here at Colleague. Um, somehow, I got called up to do that toast by Chris Rice. Okay, and. Uh, a quote came to me that I read recently, and this is what I spoke about there. My toast was, you know, with all things through life, as you grow and develop, um, as you have success in which colleague racing has had, and that I more recently or most recently experienced myself as you go through all those things, you know, the pressure obviously builds, right. But you got to look at it in my opinion. And uh, this is what I read in my book was, you know, pressure is a privilege mm -hmm. and to, you know, I, I straightforward challenged everybody that all the men and women I looked at in their eyes, as I made this toast that I challenged them to embrace that. And that's my answer to your question, I'm ready to embrace that challenge. And, um, that the pressure that comes with being an extended series champion or past extended series champion. Yeah. I'm all about it. It's a privilege. And where'd you get that quote from? You said you got it from a book. Uh, I can't, can't give away, can't give away my, my little downtime, you know, readings. Oh uh, God. You know, it's been, you know, and, and honestly, like some of that stuff's been, you know, instilled with in me, you know, I've talked in past interviews over the last couple of years, right. Through my career, you know, peaks and valleys that, you know, I've had to do a lot of, a lot of reexamining myself and, and trying to, you know, find, find a better just mental spot in general. And um, as you go through competition and, and having some outlets, um, some books and some things to, 
to keep mindset right. Um, it's been good for me. So I'm not going to tell you where it came from, but I'm going to roll with exactly. I quoted it as it is. Okay. All right. So when did it finally hit you that you were the champion? Like, like at what point in the aftermath, like, Oh, this, this is, this is reality. This is, this happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the answers I think you probably get, I'm just assuming you get on a regular basis is when you put your next year suit on and your, mm-hmm. your, you know, for me, the Xfinity series logo has got a different look to it. Um, and then that's cool. But, you know, for me, I think as, as you go through your career, you get so, you know, so wrapped up in, in the right now and, and what's ahead that I think way later in life, it'll actually like really set in. Um, okay. But man, we, we finished the season. It was great. We celebrated, went through the all, you know, the, the banquets and that was all great. And of course, you, you know, you're there as a champion. Yeah. But, you know, still to this day, I'll see a, a familiar face that I haven't seen in a while and they'll bring it up and give me their testimony of, of where they were that night and how they celebrated and how pumped up they were. Th- those are the little reminders Mm-hmm. That, that hey you know we did something really damn cool that night um but i think being able to go through life when racing is long gone for me down the road that you'll really be able to like man that was you can't take that away from you and that's that's forever and that's special so in, in, in the three months since you won the title has any like new door opened for you that maybe wouldn't have been open for you unless you were an xfinity series champion it's a good question. I, I don't, um, no, I don't think so. No, I okay. think I'm, it's all I'm currently sitting. Yeah. I'm in the same house at the same okay. family, same, same, uh, individuals I surround myself with. Um, obviously the conversation of, you know, Hemrick, would you just win a damn race already? You know, that, that changed. So I guess that could be one thing, you know, with your buddies <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, subtle jabs, um, you know, for whatever reason, I will tell you that, you know, walking into a room and, and, and your presence, like you, you can feel that even if you think you're the same person and, and you are, other people view you differently for whatever reason. Um, you know, sometimes it's welcome, sometimes it's not. And at the end of the day, it's that's their prerogative. But uh, me as a person, same guy I was when I rolled into Phoenix prior okay. to the green flag at night at Phoenix. And that's the way I look forward to keeping it. Okay. So, all right. So in your NASCAR career, this colleague is your sixth stop. Is it the sixth team you, you've been with? You know better than I do. That's not something I actually have thought about. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just uh, you raced for Newberry in the trucks, Brad Kozlowski Racing, RCR, JRM, JGR, yep. and now colleagues. So I think yep. is that so six, six it is. All right, so six. So what what has it been like throughout your career transitioning from one team to the next and having to adapt yourself to what that organization organization wants out of you? Um, how, how have you developed your transition process over the, over yeah. the years? Yeah, I think that that's taken time um, in all reality. Like, and I don't know if you're ever where you need to be with that because you don't, you don't make a transition already looking at, okay, how am I going to evolve to the next one? Right. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. every decision I've made, cause that was the, the decision I did make was the best and most information I had at that time. And mm-hmm. um, no different than this one here, with Matt Colley, Chris Rice, and everyone at Colley Racing, um, knowing that, you know, as I went through some of those earlier um, transitions, you know, I was, you know, a good bit younger. I, I tried to look at those particular situations as, you know, when you're growing up short track racing, 
heck, there's times you're driving for different owners in any particular weekend, right? So like you're jumping in and parts and pieces are different, people are different, but you know, then they, you share a common goal. I try to treat those situations very similar to that, obviously a lot bigger stage, but mm-hmm. same concept of getting in and controlling what you can control. Um, and then as you do evolve and you learn more and more about the parts and the pieces and the people, you learn that the culture is different within each of those organizations. Um, I, I appreciate that now more than I probably did then in those other you know situations and really, really, truly tried to embody that and embrace that throughout my 2021 season with Joe Gibbs racing with being you know, trying to establish a relationship with coach and and the integral people inside that building, but also not try to not try to worry too much about the, you know, the parts and pieces and, and just worry about, you know, being the best race car driver I could be. And um, I've given Dave Rogers, you know, all the credit for that, for pushing me to, to different links and different parts of, of my craft that I didn't honestly even know were there. So it was, um, yeah, all, all of them are different, have their own different um, feel and different culture, if you will. But um, I appreciate that. So colleague, it's pretty well established. It's kind of a close knit family, like, um, atmosphere there. Um, how does that compare to the other stops you've been at? You know, for me, you know, colleague self, right. Uh, I think it's, it, like I said, all the teams I've been fortunate to drive for and the incredible owners I've driven for have all just been different situations and different individuals in their own right. Now I'm thankful for each one of them because they've definitely taught me something mm-hmm. about myself and, and, um, and so on and so forth. But, you know, colleague in particular, you know, I, remember coming here to RCR in 2017 or coming to RCR 2017. And, you know, they are forefront in the middle of our competition meetings because they, you know, they were new to an alliance with RCR and so on and so forth. So my point is I saw that very small group, one car Xfinity team grow. And so what's now three full-time Xfinity cars and and starting this year, two full-time cup operations. So that is a huge amount of growth <laughs> and the amount of success they've been able to do it with throughout that time is pretty unheard of. Right. Mm-hmm. And as you look at it from the outside looking in, which is where I always stood until currently this year was that, you know, starts with leadership and Matt Colley gives everyone under this colleague racing banner, you know, all the opportunity, all the support, um, loosens the reins enough to let them make decisions, you know, you know, from Chris Rice and that river flows downstream. So um, I think because of seeing that growth, you know, from the early beginnings to now walking into colleague and seeing where it's at, it just, you know, adds more perspective to it than I think some of the other ones were because they were there, they were established. I didn't see them grow and build. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, all are different in their own way. And I think um, it makes this one in that way different from the others. What's it like being back on the RCR campus after being gone for a couple of years? Well, some things never change and it's still a 55 minute drive <laughs> to get here and 55 <laughs> minute drive home. But, uh, you know, I, I talk about appreciating that stuff, you know, from 2017 through 2019, my time here on the campus at RCR. And, you know, now as a, I guess, I'm not sure when you quit saying new father, but as a newer father still, and, um, you know, more things to balance and juggle in your life, uh, I actually appreciate that, that drive. I appreciate being able to, you know, make phone calls I need to make or, or, you know, just have some time to, to think through that drive. Like you learn how to, you know, put value on that time. Uh, I think I've grown in, in that aspect and just, you know, being here and, and knowing, knowing faces, um, knowing names, um, seeing that, 
you know, as much as they've changed, a lot of it's still the same. So it's, uh, it's been fun. I mean, uh, I think back as you asked that question, my mind's running, but you know, they just ran the Coliseum this past week, you know, with the cup cars and with our cup Alliance, with RCR, you know, the eight car broke leading and, um, you know, me and me and Richard shoulders are, you know, just him and I are laying on the surface plate looking underneath this car just yesterday on the surface plate, once it got back from LA, you know, looking and talking through what happened, why it happened. And my point is like, it's hard to do that with somebody or, or individuals you don't know or trust or can't communicate with yet. So I have that line of communication um, and look forward to hopefully using that to help all of us grow and continue to strengthen the Alliance. So does, does it like feel like you just left RCR or does it feel like there's a, was a two year gap? Um, yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. You know, for, those days being so much more integral in the parts and pieces. Um, I can't answer the gap until I kind of drive their race cars and see, <laughs> okay, have they developed, have they changed, what hasn't. But, you know, the relationships, a lot of it feels like it picks right back up where it left off. And and I'm thankful for that, right? I mean, it definitely, uh, I think it helps, helps a lot of communication so much that as we do start the season, everything's still new honeymoon phase, right? Because it's all new again to majority of us, especially myself. Um, or refreshed, but as we start the season, I think being here, having some of those established relationships will hopefully allow us to pivot and uh, turn what, is, what has turned into a, a bigger ship here within Colleague Racing and then in the bigger picture of RCR, you know, hopefully having those relationships helps us turn this ship faster. So you get to go cup racing again this year. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, yeah. So um, outside of – the, the the qualifying races you, you get you get eight eight points races um which of those eight races are you most looking forward to okay i'll remove daytona 500 from the equation <laughs> outside the daytona 500 which of those races are you most eager to get get to yeah that's uh we took away the big one right yeah um <laughs> that's one quite frankly talk about appreciating perspective, yeah. like definitely, definitely a different perspective rolling into day 2500 this year for me from what it was in 2019. Yeah. But, you know, moving past that, um, you know, Fontana is the, the next one for me. And uh, the reason I say Fontana is because, um, you know, I've had, I was very vocal and open about how Poppy Bank stepped up in an incredible way in 20, 21 and have continued to step up honestly for the last four or five years of my career to give me opportunities, but to a different level to give me that opportunity to JGR to either one rekindle my career to the highest point possible, or, Hey, we're all in to at least give you one last final shot to, to, to make something happen and to go to Fontana to know that, you know, that's close to, to where Poppy bank is based out of um, to know that we'll have, you know, you know, the family that stepped up and supported me through those years, um, a lot of employees and, and people there to support us, like as far away as that is from home from this North Carolina guy, like that's <laughs> going to feel like a homecoming in a way just for the, um, the close knit relationships that I've developed with those individuals over the years. And um, for them to feel like they've succeeded in making, making and taking this chance with me and, you know, throughout all the last couple of years, but especially 2021, by them doing that, you know, that enabled me to get the call to come drive for colleague racing at the extended level. Oh, and by the way, do it at the cup level. So mm-hmm. um, to roll out there in a cup race would be pretty special. So Poppy Bank's going to be with you in cup this year? To be with me? Um, yeah. yeah. So I have them slated as right now for, for the one race out in Fontana. Okay. Which is, you know, that's, that's why I guess that makes it 
you know, pretty okay. special, right? Um, so it's kind of just a, you know, yeah, it's just a kind of full circle scenario okay. for uh, for them and myself and their okay. state. So like college racing, it's kind of, to me, become like this destination for drivers who are getting second chances, third chances, and giving people like really good shots that, that they might not have had otherwise. AJ, Jeff Burton, yep. you, Landon Castles getting his best shot in a decade. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is it like for you getting, knowing you're going to be teammates um, with guys who have also experienced those, those peaks, those valleys, and are, you're all getting this really good shot together at one time. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I, I look at that as, you know, we talk about perspective, talk about, you know, how that changes. You know, I look at the younger version of myself, <clears throat> the younger version of maybe, I don't want to speak for him, but Landon or an AJ, but you know, these individuals that come in the sport and, and, and have success or see success and you just think it's going to be there. And then all of a sudden it deteriorates faster than you can blink and you don't know what's next. Right. But you got to continue to show up and, and keep that work ethic there to, to, you know, make sure you are still part of the story or at least figure out how to become back part of the story. And I think all of us, like you said, have experienced things like that. We've, we don't have that, you know, we don't have maybe that new, fresh young guy on the block, mm-hmm. you know, view of it but i think we come with a view of of experience and and quite frankly i'll say too like before i came here over the last two or three years like seeing those other guys get those shots seeing aj you know matt colleague chris rice personally asked aj to come help build the road course program build the entire extended series program like from the outside looking in i thought man that was the coolest thing here's an owner who just loves racing and loves trophies and loves you know trophy hunting as you call it and just wants to see people be successful and give them the tools and resources they need like that was awesome to see from the outside looking in. Um, I obviously never thought it'd work out to where I would be in one of the race cars, but um, I will tell you, you know, the guys who have driven here and have went have since moved on and the guys currently here, especially, you know, speaking of, of Landon in particular, like what an incredible opportunity is that's in front of him um, to kind of revamp his career. And that's, that speaks volumes for what this place stands for. And, um, I hope that the men and women here assembling these cars, working in every avenue of what makes college racing what it is, appreciates not only that we're here with them, but that we've also experienced probably very similar stories that they have throughout their time trying to build in whatever direction and role that our company is here, that we've all probably experienced very similar things of highs and lows. So um, not knowing that we're just coming in to race, you know, we're coming in to race with different perspective, with renewed energy with renewed um, sense of, of belonging a part of something that's bigger than us. And that's very, very special and unique uh, to all of, all of racing in general. A lot of, a lot of teams these days, there, there's multi-car teams anyway, there, there's usually like the one veteran and then there's some, some young guys, yep. but, and you, you've been in that, the, those situations, situations before, but now this, this is like three solid veterans of the sport grizzled veteran, if you want to <laughs> s- s- put it that way. There's there's no young guy. You guys are gonna have to be mentoring at least on the Xfinity side. How, yeah. how much does that benefit you? You knowing that you you all are gonna be working on on some sort of level knowledge base, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think it, you know. First off, it, I think very early will be established if we're more stubborn than they thought we were or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think being able to. You know, I, I think of you can only think about your own perspective, right? But like I think about 
you know, going in the meetings and being dead set on, oh man, my car did this, or I need this change with people or personnel and so on and so forth. And I think as, as you develop, um, you, you develop a different view of that and, and you experience, you know, peaks and valleys, um, you learn to try to do more with these things and less of this. <laughs> and I'm hoping that, you know, with all three of us kind of being in those scenarios that we've all learned and grown and hopefully leads to what we want to be the most successful season that Collie Grayson's ever experienced. And yeah, hopefully, you know, they can lean on us for leadership and, and we can also, you know, do the same within, you know, the peers that are, that, you know, above us and below us within this company to try to pull the rope the same direction. I think that's what they can expect, or at least that's what I want. And that's what I expect from all three of us to get back to Collie Grayson. All right. So with, with doing both cup and Xfinity uh, this year, how with it specifically with the next gen car, which I'm I'm pretty sure you've gotten time in it, right? Yeah. Okay. So going back and forth, how different will that be compared to previous years with the, the previous generation of cars? What is the train not the transfer of information, but will information you gain in one car help you as much in the cup car? Is it as it would have maybe a couple of years ago? How that's very to be seen, right? I mean, it's you know, as we go through our speedway stuff, you know, they're all is definitely gonna be its own animal, but you know, the little things, but whether it's shifting or the pit stops, like that's those are the things I think you have to mentally be able to reset quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like every time on the racetrack, no matter whether you're driving a <laughs> driving a bar stool or a or a race car, like whatever it is, like you know, you have to, you have to be able to take something from it. Um, and I do think being on the racetrack those weekends while we'll be in the cup car, you know, whether it's practicing first before the extended car or vice versa, you know, as long as I, as long as I can compartmentalize where the information needs to go in my priority list and, and, um, kind of prepare and prep for all that. I don't see, I don't see how it can be a bad thing. Okay. That being said though, I have driven the next gen car a decent amount, and they are for sure, you know, key integral things that the driver will have to be able to, to reset through mentally and, um, and applying certain, you know, certain parts of their craft. So, yeah, it's a lot to be seen, but I think it's going to be a, an exciting time because as much as the drivers are changing and adapting to that, the teams are going to be, you know, on double time when it comes compared to what the drivers are going to be adapting to. So. Yeah, it's a it's an exciting time, man. I'm just pumped that I get to be a part of that next gen transition. Yeah. That I get to be a part of, you know, the opening 500 um, in these cars and just be a part of the growth. That's um, not something I can say I knew was in my sight, you know, back you know midway through 2021. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a cool opportunity. I look forward to taking advantage of. So having not been in a Cup car the last two years, did that does that help you in any way? adjusting to the next gen car seeing as you don't have two years of additional yeah. <laughs> gen six stuff to to overwrite yeah so I, I tell you i feel like you can always look to find oh man i expect it to be this or this because of past experience but i'll tell you from my firsthand experience you know running the cup car and only run the cup car no xfinity races in 2019 to being out of it into an xfinity car in 2020 with jrm like i obviously huge downforce differences from the 19 cup car to, yeah. to the Xfinity package that is still currently what we run today. You know, that, that, that was a pretty big transition from a pure grip downforce perspective, power to weight or power to downforce ratio. Okay. Um, 
I think next gen car from, from what I understand, you know, it's kind of to be seen on the mile and a half stuff, but it's, I think it's from a downforce perspective going to be similar edginess sliding around like the Xfinity car. And I could see if, you know, you were in a mile and a half car the last two or three years and thing is always stuck in the ground and you're <laughs> not grip limited, but you're aero limited. Yeah. I could see it being a, maybe a little steeper curve. The only exception to all those thoughts though, is that on Sundays, those are, those are the best cats that do this mm-hmm. and everybody adapts <laughs> and the guys that have an opportunity to put their name by the roofs are warranted, you know, that challenge and, and they know how to accept that. And that's what I think can't be overlooked that there's a reason their names are above those doors. So um, knowing that you got to find, you got to find your, your place in that and uh, be able to adapt in your own way. So which tracks did you test the next gen at? Yes. My first time uh, strapping in was at uh, the, the final Charlotte test. Okay. Um, I did the first day. And that was more of a day of establishing what package we're actually going to race. Um, then my teammate, Justin Haley did the second day with what we thought the actual package was going to be. So mine was a more of a development of the car okay. phase. Um, and then I had the opportunity to do um, a day at D- Daytona as well as okay. um, one day out in Phoenix. So heck, a little bit of a taste of, of those you know, different style of racetracks. Um, mile and a half probably did feel the most different than what, you know, one generation of car to the next, um, which I think is, you know, I never really got spent a lot of time with the package that got locked in, you know, after I got out of the car, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the speedway stuff, I like speedway racing and, okay. you know, what you see is probably not going to be too much different than what you've seen in other speedway races. And and I expect kind of the same on the short track side. So, or shorter track side the intermediates, I think are going to be an interesting integral part of what, what this next gen car brings, but Everybody will be changing so much on the fly. It's going to be fun to watch. So just uh, you said it's probably not going to change much, but on the Speedway specifically, it, how different is it for you working in the draft in the next-gen car compared to what you experienced a few years ago? Yeah, a few years ago, you know, we had wickers and all kinds of things. Heck, we took the restrictor plate off, you know, all kinds of things to just try to – make it more of that three by three or four lanes for Talladega wide, the whole race. And then it did some of that. Um, once I was removed from the cup series, from this cup scene in 2019, NASCAR had to kind of get away from some of that to help with speed and whatnot. And, you know, I've heard it referenced that from the spotters point of view at our Daytona test, that it reminded them some of the Oh two, Oh three, Oh four cup stuff. Um, which quite honestly, I was, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And I've had to dive back in and look at some of that just out of curiosity. Okay. okay. But, you know, I thought that that was an interesting part of, you know, of how everybody choose a study different for what we expect. But when you're testing it, in all reality, you know, whether it's your seven to 10 Chevy cars or your Alliance cars, like, you know, there's only one or two organized huge pack runs and i was not a part of those the, okay the, that was in the second day so my point being is that is i'm still gonna have to learn throughout throughout the duels throughout the 500 of, of what i want what i need in some form or fashion but um you know you little things i think about in a little bit of drafting with some of your team guys was you know hood flats move around different the attitudes and position of what you see and getting used to the to the rear view mirror right like it being the camera mm-hmm. like that's those are all little things you see from the driver's seat, but on the fans perspective, I don't know. 
I'd be curious if I'm, if I'm not in a car, I would love to be sitting in grandstands because I think it could offer, offer something different than what we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years. And maybe something closer, like we said, those early, early two thousands. Well, what you said about the spotters that kind of matches up with, um, I asked Martin Trex Jr. That a couple of weeks, what he thought it would, it would look, look, look like. And he, his educated guess was that it would be similar to pre COT uh, yep. era racing. It's like, okay, that, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like the Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, obviously, that was in a time where I was watching and growing my love for the sport, too, coming up. So, I, I enjoyed that. So, but it's fun to watch it then as a fan. But now go back to use it as homework. Not things you expect to see. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card as it <laughs> went down this path. So, it's going to be fun to see how that evolves uh, with this car throughout other racetracks as well. Okay. So, I, I put out on Twitter – seeing if there's any fans that had a question for you. And I, and I got one that I thought was interesting from Big Motor Small Blade. Um, right. He says, how much pride do you take in being one of the few North Carolina native drivers kind of left, um, in, in prominently anyway, um, in NASCAR? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I appreciate that. You know, I I always take pride in that. I feel like one of the top, top things that gets – you know, when think about getting introduced somewhere, like, you know, the word North Carolina follows Sioux is always your hometown. And, mm-hmm. and to, you know, be from where is considered motorsports capital of the world, like that's, that is special. Why are there not more drivers coming from here? Right. And I think uh, at a young age, you know, you don't understand, you don't realize that when you're coming up, you know, whether you're at local little tracks or heck you're out at dinner and you understand how people have different accents or whatnot, like, <laughs> man, this is this is interesting. You know, they're from California, they're from Texas, or so on and so forth. And you realize how big of an industry we live in, and how many people come here to live and be a part of a culture that that is that is in North Carolina. And as you grow in the sport and and you develop, obviously you learn to appreciate that more and more. That you know, I use my wife as a prime example. Moves out here at 17, 16 or seventeen years old from El Reno, Oklahoma, to chase a dream of racing. And Oklahoma, I think okay. back to myself of how fortunate I've been to be able to be here, to see here. And around my way, learned some very integral life lessons because of that, you know, seeing, you know, I'll just be frank, like seeing, seeing uh, guys with, with sponsorship money come in here and blow through their money and blow through their opportunity and be out partying or doing this or that. Next thing you know, money dries up and they're gone. You never hear of them again. <clears throat> I saw a lot of that from a time I could see until getting my opportunity, you know, with, within the NASCAR scene. So, um, I take pride in, in where I'm from, where I've been, things been able to do and, um, have slowly, but surely felt like being able to feel that love back from the community and from the, the people that support, um, NASCAR in general. Okay. So after this, I'm, I'm interviewing Ben Rhodes. Um, I was wondering as, since you're both fellow defending champions, what's a question that you have for Ben Rhodes? Ooh. Question for Ben Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, to, to go the comical route, I know how his celebration went as well as the rest of the world does following his win in Phoenix. Um, I also then followed followed up with, it. I think, the same, the same um, you know, post-race environment they put you in. And I want to know at what point did he realize he was in trouble and he couldn't stop what he started to feel. You know, I, I think it happened well before he sat down and during that press conference. So um, I, I want to make note that I knew – I didn't know what my night entailed after winning the championship myself. I knew not to get to that level prior to the press room. So, yeah, I think that would be a good one. To know when did he know, oh, man, this may not go good. 
Okay. I'll, I'll def- that's probably what I was going to ask him at some point, but yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely pass that along. So what was your, like, once you left the track or whatever, what was your celebration? Like, what, what'd you do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've, uh, man, we, it's funny. There's a picture that, um, I posted my first, my personal first post after the race was me, my wife, Kenzie and our daughter Ren sitting on the racetrack with the trophy. Right. What people don't know is that picture was taken at 1230, give or take, Phoenix time. Mm. Yes, I'm from North Carolina. That means it was way later. Our daughter's sleep schedule was was not where it was supposed to have been. And she was a trooper through it all first off. But I tell you, by the time we got out of there, um, you know, call it 130, got on the team plane, actually waited on us. They tore the cars down that night. So we actually got on the plane. We flew home. And I think we rolled back in our house, give or take, 730 or 8 o'clock a.m., and uh, we did zero celebrating immediately because everybody was completely used up. But that night, so Sunday night, you know, following our Saturday victory, uh, we had all of our closest family and friends over. And just, I mean, heck, we, we had a couple of drinks. So we just kind of enjoyed company. It was very low key, you know, 15 or 20 people. And then the next night we had our entire pit crew team, anybody and everybody's welcome um, that wants to be invited through group text and whatnot. And that one got a little more carried away. And you know, we had, okay. we had two blow up obstacle courses out in the backyard. So if people brought their kids, they could have a good time. And, and, uh, do you see you obstacle know, courses? Is that what you said? Oh yeah. Blow up obstacle courses. Okay. Uh, our entire backyard looked like just something out of an amusement park. I felt like, and we, we wanted to invite, you know, not only, not only the people that thoroughly were, at the racetrack are involved, but you know, their families, you know, their, their wives and their kids that allow them to, to do and, and be gone out on the road as much as they are. So hopefully they enjoyed it. I, I know the, um, I, f- I feel like speaking to those individuals following our celebration that, that they thoroughly enjoyed it. And then, yeah, that was, uh, that was about as much celebrating as I could possibly handle for two days in a row. So <laughs> yeah, but we, we did, we didn't make it count. And I don't think, uh, it'll be nights that any of us will ever forget. All right. Um, I have, I've, okay. Since my, my, my podcast is called dropping the hammer. I have, I, I I should have done this last year, but I'm going to ask all my driver guests this question. Who, who are you most like Cole trickle, Rowdy Burns or Russ Wheeler? Ooh, Cole trickle, Rowdy Burns or Russ Wheeler. Man, Rowdy was pretty stubborn. You know, Cole learned a lot through watching TV on the sport. (laughs) And Russ Wheeler, I think he's a he's a he's a very he's a he's a good looking dude who, um, yeah, I, I, who really kind of think he wants to be in front of the camera. I, I'd say Cold Trickle. Okay. Um, you like to embody yourself that guy who will race anything, drive anything, get in and go fast. But you also got to go through your your steps of, of learning and and your processes and learn what makes you tick to be successful. Um, and a good crew chief, um, like. But I know I had this year at college racing with Alex Johnson, the Xfinity side, and then Matt Swiderski on the cup side. But especially I wanted to note Dave Rogers last year. If anybody listened to the last couple of laps of the crew chief pumping me up like Harry did Cole, you know, go to the outside, you can't hold it. Okay. Um, but we put that in good terms at the end of last season. So I'm going to go with Cole Trickle, final answer. Okay, awesome. Thank you. I think that that's all I got for you, man. I appreciate you um, taking time out of your, your last countdown. <laughs> come, to come uh come here on driving the hammer before man, you, you. thank you you take care um uh, i'll probably see you down in daytona sounds so. good look forward to it all right have a great week see you appreciate it see you both